0: You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 36. Hey there, impact drivers, Laura Bernard here, the host of the PMO Strategies Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today and for spending your time with me and allowing me to help you make a bigger impact in the world. Today's episode is a little bit of a continuation of last week where we talked about how to get your sponsor's attention and engagement for your PMO program and projects. Now today we're talking about stakeholder communication that even your sponsor will love. This episode is sponsored by the new and improved Impact Inner Circle membership program. We have completely revamped our program and the experience so that you can get a customized training plan for you to develop your skills and a huge impact this year. Just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash membership to get on our wait list so you are the first to know when we open our enrollment for this year and get some exclusive goodies only for those on the wait list. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash membership. Okay, let's dive in to stakeholder communication even your sponsor will love. Time and time again when I go into an organization that needs help getting their PMO or projects back on track. I always uncover challenges with communication. And when I peel back the layers of the superficial blame game or frustrations people are feeling, we get down to the root cause, which is usually people struggling to get their message across effectively. Whether it's the executives having trouble communicating their strategy clearly, or the project leaders getting the right information in front of decision makers to keep things moving forward. I'm sure you've seen this movie before. Have you ever been in a status meeting where you had a report that you needed to provide to your executives? You're about halfway through this meeting, and they are on page 14 in the bottom right-hand corner, stuck on some piece of data. You can't get them to come up and focus where you need them to be. They're stuck, right? They're drilling down into these details of this report. They're asking you all types of questions, and you're thinking to yourself, this isn't even relevant to what I need from you. I need some answers. I need some help on something. I need a decision. I need you to take action. And there they are stuck on page 14. And what's the result of this? You're not getting the outcomes that you needed from that meeting. It's over. Your problems are not getting solved. Decisions are not getting made. And you're thinking, are you kidding me? I'm here to help you move this project forward and I can't make any progress because my executive is drilling down into all these details. And I just want to ask you one question. Who put that report in front of them in the first place? You see, many times we put a lot of detailed information in front of executives because we're not really sure what they need to make decisions and we expect them to have all of this time to process that information. And they don't they're busy i've been fortunate enough to be one of those executives in organizations ranging from small companies to global firms those that have worked with me learn quickly that if you don't give me the bottom line up front i am not going to have time to process it and it's not that when i was in those roles i wasn't interested but as a leader i need clear simple and focused information because i had a lot going on expectations are high and seem to be growing at a rapid pace and to keep up with that pace leaders need to think and act differently they need to be able to quickly dissect the information they have in front of them and figure out exactly what they need to do to move themselves and the team forward and they don't have a lot of time to do that they need data in small concise chunks that are going to help them process and keep people moving forward This is the biggest problem that we see in reporting and communicating with executives. Somebody told us we needed to provide 14 pages of detail and now here they are stuck on the bottom of page 14. You're not making any progress with your project and now you have to go back to your project team and say, well, we had a meeting, but now we have to have another one. And oh, by the way, it's gonna take a month to get back on our sponsor's calendar. I am willing to bet that you're going to have to have another one after that as well, just to get to what you needed. Three meetings in, you finally got the decision you needed, but now you are further behind on your project and you have to go back to the executives and explain why your project just went from green to yellow or even red in front of their eyes. And so the vicious cycle continues. But did it really have to happen that way? How much time was wasted? My advice to you is tell them what they need to know and then stop. Just stop. Give them the who, what, when, where, why, and how, and then stop talking. Stop and let them absorb this information so that they can give you what you need. The stakeholders on your project, your executives, and your sponsors are there to serve you. They don't know it yet, but your job is to teach them how to be a sponsor. Now, I talked a little bit about that on last week's episode, how to help your sponsor understand their role and how you can properly set expectations with them so that everyone's on the same page and moving forward. And part of that is how you're communicating with them. They are trainable. Yes, even your sponsor, I promise. And here's the thing. We all think that our project is the most important, don't we? I mean, of course it is. It's our project, right? Which means we should be doing more to protect it. We should be finding ways to get to the bottom line quickly so that we can manage up to our executives and our stakeholders and tell them what we need from them so that they can act for us, so that they can go get it done. You've got to have your elevator pitch In your mind at all times. Now what I'm going to share with you is part of the one page executive dashboard that I've been teaching students for coming up on six years now. And I was using myself inside organizations as a PMO leader for many, many years before that. Now, if you follow these steps to create a dashboard for your executives that helps you accelerate your project progress, you will start to see some incredible acceleration on your projects because you will be focused, laser focused, on exactly what you need to help keep everyone moving forward like a well-oiled machine, or as I like to say, an impact engine. Okay. The first thing you want to have on your one-page executive dashboard is a summary. Put the bottom line up front. Clearly state what they need to know, you know, your elevator pitch, and do so in a few sentences. This is the conversation for when you have the executive in the elevator to say, how are we doing? And in a few words, you can respond by letting them know the overall big picture of what's going on and give them a summary but it's got to be so short that you can do it from floor 5 to floor 15. So it's got to be succinct and you want to have this message handy at all times. Where are we? If someone were to ask how are we doing? You should be able to say that in a few sentences or less. The second thing you want on here is decisions made. Now this is a one-page report so you don't need every single decision you've made for the whole project. But have you ever experienced a situation where you're kind of revisiting the same decisions you've already made? You know, the big ones that can really derail your project or set it off in a different direction. This second one should be the decisions that have been made on the project and what the impact is of those decisions. And you don't want to use this as a way to point fingers like we had to make this decision because IT is taking forever, even though we were late giving them our requirements. but. We're not gonna talk about that part, right? No, no. The best thing to do is just keep it factual and share what decision was made, when it was made, and the effect that will have on your project. And that's it. Now remember, this isn't all decisions, but this is the big direction setting decisions that if we aren't clear about these, or if you feel like people have a tendency in your organization to revisit them, You want these here. You want these in black and white so that everybody can see, nope, we've already made that decision and here's the impact of it. And now we're moving forward, not backwards. The next thing you're going to have on this, items requiring management attention. You want to use this to manage your sponsors. Like we talked about last week, this can be helpful as a way to help sponsors understand how they can contribute, where and when you need their help and what you want them to do. So, I like to use this IRMA, items requiring management attention, to say, I want you to do something. So, you put it in those terms. Management, for the most part, appreciates the directness and the guidance on how they can help. And this is how you train them. What is the issue, and what specifically do you want management to do about it? Executives love simplicity and pictures, and when you answer their sometimes unspoken requests to, Show me what to focus on and it's not because they don't care or they're not smart enough to be able to get into the details. Frankly, you don't want them in your business. You do not want them in all of your details. What you want is for them to know what they need to know to keep things moving forward. Now I'm not suggesting that you have secrets. I'm not suggesting that you keep the bad news from them. Exactly the opposite. What I'm suggesting is you want to laser focus their energy, target their time and value to you and your project by getting them doing the things that only they can do. Keep them in their area of brilliance by having them focus on exactly what will help you move the project forward. An example of this might be Letting them know that there has been a change or that a risk has become an issue. And as a result, you need them to make a phone call over to the IT department or you need them to make a decision about something that needs to shift or you need them to show that they're more visibly around, engaged and supportive of the project. For example, let's say that your team is feeling a little run down and wiped out maybe what you need from your sponsor is to know that and to participate in a lunch or some kind of an event where we can bring everybody on the project together and they can get a little bit of love from the leadership team okay next thing on the list is activities accomplished i like to say activity and benefit now this is not a laundry list of everything you've done on your project Don't list a bunch of random activities. You need to say, what's the so what about what I'm sharing with you? What's the benefit realized as a result of the activities that took place? Now, this needs to be very simple and focused on only the big rocks. You know what that means? The big things that have actually moved the needle forward. On my one-page executive dashboard, there's only enough room for you to list like maybe four or five things at most. And the reason is that whether you're doing this report every week or every month or every quarter, you've got to keep everyone focused on the big pieces that are moving the ball down the field. So you don't want to list every single activity. This is not meant to be a replacement for a project schedule. But what it should do is highlight in very simple terms, the big things that have happened and what the benefit is of those things happening. By putting it in those terms, it makes it very easy for your executive to quickly process the big picture in their heads so that you can then focus them on where and how they can help. Remember, we just covered the IRMA, the Items Requiring Management Attention. And now we're saying, now here's what we've done and the benefits to the project because we did these things. And the next one is planned activities. There, we simply want to state the activity and the expected results. So what should happen from reporting period to reporting period is things that were on the planned activities and expected results or benefits should move up to the activities accomplished and benefits actually achieved. That way you are making the momentum your project has super clear. So we've got the activities we've accomplished and the benefit of us accomplishing that big activity or milestone, and then planned activities, which is where we're going to highlight only the major milestone that is going to be completed and the outcome to be achieved when that milestone is completed. Now, very simple examples of this could be achieving a certain milestone in the project. For example, you're moving from the development stage to the testing stage, or you've scoped out a certain percentage of the product or solution that you're creating. It doesn't have to be complicated. You maybe want to think about it as kind of like your higher level major deliverables in your work breakdown structure or project schedule. It's that kind of thing. What are the big things and what is the expected outcome as a result of those big items being accomplished? Okay, that covers what I have on the left hand side of my one page executive dashboard that people are loving, and it's changing the way they communicate in their organizations. Now let's talk about a few things that are important to remember in this process. One is transparency. The fastest way to change behaviors is to give people information. If you stick to the facts, you really don't need to worry about who reads it. And often people are so worried about how others are going to feel when they look at it. But if you're really clear with the facts, then they can't be disputed what frustrates me is when i have people say to me well we don't put that on the report because we're going to get fired if it's not green status all the time but how do you ever expect to improve or to be trusted by your stakeholders and your sponsor if everything they ever see is that everything's all green all the time when you know darn well it's not So if you're in one of those situations where everything is green all the time or everyone's fearful they're going to be fired, then I suggest you start shifting the culture and shifting the way people think about it slowly, but effectively. You need to have conversations with people about how you don't want to be dishonest and how you don't want them to be blindsided and kind of put them in a position where they have no choice but to say, obviously, I want to know the truth, right? So that's what you want to be thinking about. That's why it's super important that you stick to the facts as opposed to finger pointing or feelings. We can all talk about the fact of what happened. We are past the deadline of the deliverable that was due. That is a fact you are on a certain date and the deliverable was due on a prior date. That is just a fact. So instead of focusing on pointing fingers or blaming people, about how you got there in the moment of this reporting you want to stay focused on what you can do to get from where you are today to where you need to be you can also make a note of this and talk to people about let's do a retrospective let's talk about what happened let's do some lessons learned and document that but for the purposes of moving your project forward The more time you spend finger pointing and blame game about feelings and finding a scapegoat, the less time you're going to be spending on getting to the outcomes. Because remember, the reason you're doing this is to get to outcomes, not create a bunch of outputs. So when you get pushback from people on being transparent and talking about the facts, say, okay, did you see that happen? Okay, that happened. Let's talk about what we're going to do to move everyone forward. Then shift the conversation to focus on what we're going to do about what the facts are telling us instead of what the emotions are telling us. Another important tip to remember is to leverage colors to represent progress towards a baseline or towards a goal. And this is something I really worry about with my project managers and PMO leaders. Have you ever started a project and it has the color green from day one? Remember that colors are about showing your status against a baseline. And if you're still in the initial stages of the project, you have no baseline, right? Because when do we do the baseline? We do the baseline after planning as a part of the planning process. You don't have a plan yet, so why are you putting green on your status? Colors are used as a simple indicator of measurement, but you have nothing to measure against yet. So I like to use this as an opportunity to educate executives and stakeholders. Before we've got a plan that's been baseline that everyone's agreed to, there's no color. Instead on my report, what I do is I have a box that's blank or white or something that indicates the absence of color because you don't have a baseline. Therefore, the colors are meaningless. The colors are about telling you where you are with respect to where you said you'd be on the triple constraint, for example, time, scope, and cost. Well, if you haven't baselined those yet, there is no to compare it to. So I like to suggest that we educate our stakeholders upfront on all the colors that are going to be used as a part of your project life cycle. And you can of course use the green, amber, red, like most people use. And then on top of that, you want an empty box or a blank at the beginning of the project. And it stays that way until the project is baselined. Now, another technique you might want to employ, if, say, you're in a stickler organization that likes the colors, is say, okay, well, we can tell you where we think we're going to be in the initiation stage or in the planning stage or those first scoping exercises that are done before you've really put your plan together to baseline. You can say, okay, well, we will project, plan, how long it's going to take us to get through this part and how much it's going to cost us to get through this part this initial phase and that we can measure but overall project color you can't measure that yet because you haven't baselined your project here's another tip when the project is over it doesn't stay red yellow or green it goes to black black means done closed no room for but i just have one more requirement Show's over baby. Go home. Your project will never end if you keep the open for business sign on the door, which having a color that doesn't clearly indicate this project is done will do to you and your project team. However you choose to use color to represent your progress, make sure that it's truthful, that it accurately represents where you are and that you have agreement as to the meaning of each of those colors and what the triggers are that will move you from one color to another, because this is a big part of expectations mismanagement. When you see that people are arguing or complaining over the colors and their meanings and the status you want to upfront as a part of your project initiation to educate everybody on the exact meanings and what the triggers will be that will move something from one stage to the next. And that is your brilliant opportunity to explain these new colors you're adding, which are blank or a white and black for done. OK, another tip that I have found super useful is telling your story in data. When you have things on the left-hand side that are more, let's say, storytelling, it's good if you can back it up in some data that reiterates, clarifies, or even quantifies the story that you're telling them, the message that you're giving them about where the project is and where it's going. So you want to show major deliverables and milestones and how you're progressing towards them in some kind of a chart. This is not your entire project schedule. This is a list of only top line milestones that drive the overall project timeline. It can be used to help give people a really good sense of where you are overall and give a status or color to some of those top level milestones so that people can see how the project overall is progressing. And these deliverables, these higher level things tend to be where all of your resources and what's costing all of the money. So they're kind of the big rocks. Again, we only focus on the big rocks in this one page dashboard. And speaking of money, you want to be transparent and current. What is our budget? How are we tracking to that budget? And where do we project that we will be when the project is completed? Is it on track? Is it risked of being off track? Or is it actually off track? Provide some commentary, you know, like five words or less to explain how you will get it back on track if it's off track or how you got it back on track if you're newly into the green status from say a yellow or a red. And this applies to both your major deliverables and your dollars. You want to make sure that you are clearly stating how you are where you are or how you got to where you are. And it doesn't need a bunch of finger pointing or a blame game. It's just simply major deliverable is behind and this is why and this is what we're doing about it dollars are behind, or we are under budget because we've done less scope that we thought we were going to do. You just do a very simple heads up. This is why we are where we are and what we're doing to get back on track. Some of the bigger things would move over to that IRMA items, requiring management attention, or the activities that we expect to complete to kind of get things back on track. Now you want to use issues and risks to manage expectations. So often I see people do a beautiful job setting up their risk register in the beginning of the project, and then they never look at it again. They say, great, we've done that deliverable, now we're done. Or they do a perfunctory check the box, looking at it every once in a while, where I'd recommend that you use the risk management conversation in all of your project-related meetings. Hey, I thought we would review where we are with our risks, anything else that we want to be thinking about. Are we moving towards one of these risks actually becoming an issue? The key is communication. Often what happens is we don't spend the time communicating and thinking about it. So a lot of those risks that we could have prevented or managed more effectively, we don't just because we forgot about them. So we wanna make sure that you, your project team, and your management is not blindsided. Communicate risk in terms of the impact if the risk were to be realized, and do the same thing for issues if they are realized. What is the impact we saw when this issue happened, and what are we going to do to react or respond to this issue? You don't wanna say, it's going to be hard to fix. Many executives despise that obtuse language. You can't act or communicate on generalities effectively. So be specific and precise about what the risk is and the impact if it were to happen, what you would do about it. And if an issue does happen, you really hope it was a risk on that report first, right? If it was a big one, if it's something that you should have known, you're really hoping that that major risk on there that became a major issue, that it was a risk, in fact, on there first. and finally. Make it a habit. Make your report a living document for your own sanity. If you wait until the day that your report is due to try and recall all the main points of your project communication, you are going to miss things and it will take you so much longer to complete. Start using it to note the big rocks you are moving up the hill. When major things are happening, go update that report. What takes you 15 seconds to a minute in the moment can save you 15 minutes to an hour later just trying to recall what happened and going back through your emails and asking people if they can help you remember what exactly happened when or what were we supposed to do here. It's so much more efficient and effective at getting you a better report if you can do this in the moment. So I like to make it a living, breathing document and then finalize it before the weekend. If you have a report due on Monday and you wait until Monday morning to start doing your updates to it when all of that happened last week and there was this big thing called a weekend in between, good luck. I always suggest doing it before the week ends as opposed to the beginning of the week because by Monday, I have no idea what I did last week. If your weekends are as busy as mine, you're going to have trouble remembering what you did last week if you don't write it down before weekend chaos takes over okay now here's a little bit of advice on how to make this change you're likely going to face a little resistance if you're changing the way people are used to seeing information what if they say that they need that 15 pages of detail that you used to provide and you're trying to get away from try this tactic use the one page summary form that i'm talking about here And if they say, okay, but where's my 15-page report that they weren't reading anyway? Say, I've created a cheat sheet version to summarize it for you because I know how busy you are and this is easier to keep with you should you need it. Show them where the same information is in the larger report they requested. You can still do that for a little while to help ease people out of their comfort zone and towards something that's far more effective for communicating the right level of information. And you can explain to them that if you guys were to only do the shorter report, you would save tremendous amount of time and money that it takes to put that report together. And if they want that additional detail, then maybe you shift the conversation to be about the cost to the organization for doing so and show the cost and time and energy and focus savings from doing the small report versus that 15 page job that they're not even reading anyway. So put it in terms that makes it super hard for them to say no. Who's going to say to you, absolutely I would like to waste time and money putting that report together that I wasn't reading anyway. Now it's possible that you're going to have those challenges and so I suggest you do baby steps. Do it slowly, Start shifting away from that additional detail, start showing them how the projects were moving forward on that higher level information, and that you're using other techniques that are far more effective than a 15 page report that took 15 people to put together and 15 hours of time reviewing it and reviewing it again and editing it. Another technique you can use is just changing the conversation altogether. I've never heard an executive say, make my life more difficult and give me more work to do. Have you ever heard them say that? They're not saying it because they are busy and you can't even get on their calendars for weeks or months at a time because they have so many meetings. So the more you can do to streamline the conversation around what you need, the more effective you will be at executing on your projects. We train for the behaviors we want to see. And that right reporting will become your sponsor's communication tool when they speak to their peers and their boss. And that's powerful because it's a one pager that they can carry around with them all the time. You can do it in a PDF that is accessible from their smaller devices, or you can do a colorful printout that they take with them in their folders as they're going to meetings. And so then they have one for each project that they sponsor and it's super easy for them to, at a glance, give somebody the elevator pitch of what's going on for the project and remind them of the decisions that have been made and the items requiring their attention so that they can use that to facilitate solving those problems or removing those roadblocks for you. It's a powerful tool for them to have at their disposal, which will make them look good and then they can make you look good. Arm them with the information they need to make educated and informed decisions and give them the information that they need to communicate up to their leadership chain about what's going on with your project. Your dashboard now becomes the conversation. Okay, that's it for today, Impact Drivers. I hope you have enjoyed listening to ways that you can improve your stakeholder communication, even to the point that your sponsor loves it. Now, if you would like more tips, techniques, training, and tools like this, then I highly recommend you get on the Impact Inner Circle Membership Waitlist. We have completely revamped our Inner Circle Membership Program, and we're opening it again very soon. Make sure you're on the waitlist so you can find out all of the great resources and goodies before anyone else. We have training courses, deep dive playbooks, templates, and other resources A library of more than 50 ebooks and online assessments, exclusive discounts, and membership flexibility to pause your membership at any time you need to. Now, make sure you go to pmostrategies.com forward slash membership to learn more about what's coming and get on our wait list. I can't wait to let you know about all the goodies coming very soon. All right, Impact Drivers, have a fantastic day, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye for now.